evening on the short night NDTV exclusive did the law minister make written changes in a CBI status report on the cold scam investigation according to first hand information he did this revelation coming as the CBI had a private lawyer you lalit for its defense in the supreme court that's breaking on NDTV in just a few minutes from now but first the other big story after 11 years america is grappling with grief over a terror attack once again The day after shrapnel loaded explosives went off at the hugely popular fin- uh, Boston Marathon killing three people including an 8-year-old child many more are critical the big worry of course is that many of them will lose an arm or a leg because of the shrapnel in these explosives these pictures that 8-year-old child who was waiting for his father to finish a race killed his 5-year-old sister is apparently also critical the investigation has now been given to the FBI and they are investigating whether this was a domestic terror operation or involving a group like the al qaeda for more on that we'll have namrita brown a short while from now but let's just look at an update of what's been happening in boston so far The first blast at the finishing line of the Boston Marathon, local time 2:50 p.m. Something just blew up at Run! 13 seconds later, another explosion approximately 500 feet away. Scenes of cheer transformed into screams of horror. There's people watching us the street. We saw the first bomb go off. People sorry, people in the street. where that gentleman is standing over there I saw a trash can explode and people started throwing down the barricade and and uh, running over each other and I just I ran uh, in the other direction as fast as I could quite a few casualties coming back I saw one guy with his legs gone at the knees some ankles and feet missing shrapnel wounds on people on the sides of the head and other things it's just uh, not good uh behind me lots of fire trucks i've spoken to various fbi personnel on the scene they are obviously not giving statements but they are saying uh that this is a very hot situation so that's the word they use the term they use As the chaos unfolded boston city's police and firefighters responded without any delay Emergency personnel ushered spectators and runners into stores and restaurants lining the route. Physicians, nurses and coordinators were called to the site of the explosion. The medical tent was converted into a trauma unit. Uh people are talking about ball bearings there being at the site of the attack and the victims pockets as well as on their bodies being very similar to those used by other terror groups including Al Qaeda in the past people are linking this to online bomb videos which are out there on the internet which suggest using ball bearings or similar kind of equipment which was used in these blasts we also do know that despite uh, the horrific nature of casualties which are being reported this could have been worse but the city stayed united an online spreadsheet was shared with hundreds of locals offering help from a simple i have a couch to offers of a lift and dinner it became a viral statement of solidarity many restaurants stayed open all night to serve stranded runners earlier today i was briefed by my homeland security team president obama's first reaction was cautious he was careful not to speculate on who was behind this but a white house statement called it a terror strike 
but this is an evolving situation. Uh, still, no confirmation about whether it's a foreign uh, organization or a domestic organization which has claimed responsibility or is responsible for the attacks. But we do know the modus operandi is very similar to terror attacks seen in the past here in the United States. Uh, uh, not being uh, present, but in Israel, in India, in various parts of the world. Namrata Brana joins us uh, live uh, from Boston, actually from the site where those explosions yeah. happened uh, virtually that uh, more than a day ago. Namrata, for many, the defining image really is of that eight-year-old boy who was killed waiting for his father to cross the finishing line. The focus also, of course, on who was behind it. The FBI being very cautious in that press conference just a short while ago. Tell us what's happening on the streets of Boston right now and what's the latest on the investigation. Sonia, I think the heartbreaking story of Martin Richard is something that everyone is identifying with. It's surreal. He's the youngest victim of these horrific blasts. Eight-year-old Martin uh, just killed when he uh, finished giving a high five to his father who crossed the finish line uh, just minutes ago they all had an ice cream he was accompanied by his mother and two other siblings an older brother who's believed to be okay a younger sister who is in critical condition and his mother who also suffered injuries so that uh, tells you about the human element and all the more heartbreaking when an eight-year-old innocent wife is taken away now in uh, on-ground uh, uh, stories which are coming up and information and intel that I'm getting now these are not confirmed uh, by the FBI itself because they are saying it's an ongoing investigation all domestic as well as international terror links are currently under investigation but I'm hearing that this could possibly be the attack of a Mideast terror group with domestic links in the United States. That's uh, the latest information again source based information that I'm hearing on ground at Copley Plaza in Boston. Mm -hmm. I separately know that uh, there are comparisons being made to Al-Qaeda uh, led attacks in the past as well as uh, Anwar al-Sharia uh, the Benghazi group as well uh, which is being compared to this particular instance. Again the device similarities to the failed Times Square bombing are also coming into light. Uh, so that's the on-ground information separately. Two people being uh, investigated as people of interest. No one in custody. One, a dark swarthy male carrying a backpack trying to get into the restricted area. And second, a man on the rooftop uh, close to the finish line when these bombs took place. Sonia. All right, Amrita. Uh, thanks very much for that latest update in the investigation. You have got, I think, uh, a guest with you as well. What does he have to say? Yes, Sonia, I have eyewitnesses, in fact, marathon runners who uh, were just minutes away from the bomb blast site. Tell us what you saw. I, I was not, I was uh, about 20 minutes away. I was at mile 24. Uh, we didn't get, uh, we weren't able to proceed past that distance, so I was uh, uh, just kind of heard on the streets and had all the, the emergency vehicles going past us. During the race, we tried to find out from the cops on the course what's up and wasn't told anything, and then... Uh, as minutes went by, we were told more and more. We kept uh, myself and my runner that I was uh, I was a guide runner for a mobility impaired runner. Uh, we just kept on going forward because we knew that our families were here um, and wanted to go as far distance as we could and uh, didn't know the danger that was here. How scared are you today as you stand uh, since this is the first terror attack after 9-11 on domestic American soil? I'm not really. I'm. I'm not really. My family was at 9/11. My uh, my husband serves in the United States military. Uh, I'm, I'm. I know I'm well protected.
I feel well protected. I don't feel scared or terror or uh, it's not something that's going to uh, dissuade me from doing anything. You know, if, 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 I'm, if I'm scared to go out of my house or if I'm scared to do something, then they win. Absolutely. And courage like yours is what is inspiring and holds people in strength. But do you compare 9-11 to this? No. No. Very uh, different. It is. Um, I haven't, personally, I have not yet made that connection that that was, it was 11 years ago. I had uh, my father there um, and a uh, very lucky story to happen, but uh, um, I haven't made that mental connection. It's not been a long enough time to really sit down and dwell on that right now. It's not something that I connect it with. Uh, I think it's I'd like to think it's not a, a terror attack out that way. I'd like to think it's some idiots around here that, you know. No, we all hope so and yeah. uh, stay safe. Thank you so Thank much you. for speaking with us. I know it's a very emotional time here for especially uh, one of us at the event. Uh, you had people breaking down. It was really, really close to their eyes um, and this was extremely destructive. Let's just uh, also get you an account. I spoke earlier to the Boston Governor, David Patrick. Uh, this is just after he left the press conference and I asked him the question on whether he saw a foreign link to this. He said no. I separately asked him about Boston's courage and he said we'll come back stronger and better. Governor, can you just talk about Boston's courage in, in the midst of this? We are a very resilient community, very proud community, proud of the, uh, we're proud of the marathon. Uh, we're going uh, to come back from this and find the people who are responsible. Are there so near those uh, are the comments which are coming in as I said it is uh, still a very fluid situation we won't get to know about a conclusive hand to the attacks uh, till the next few days but uh, tomorrow there is a prayer meeting for the victims right. and uh, those who are injured and uh, it is inspiring though here to see strength of the community the Boston community you normally don't see uh, this in a city you see it in a smaller neighborhood but strangers are coming out and saying uh, can we help you and they in fact got a lot of these runners uh, coming into their homes they spent the night because yes. hotels were closed and locked down, you couldn't get a room. Uh -huh. So everyone trying to help out as they can. Sonia. Namrata Bra, thanks very much for joining us there uh, live from Boston. Well, let's get back uh, to domestic politics and uh, just a note, of course, that many in India are all too familiar with those tragic scenes that we see on the streets of Boston. But going back to our big exclusive tonight, and that's, of course, Srinivasan Jain with details of what actually happened. Now, the law ministry, the government hasn't denied the fact that the law minister actually met with the CBI director and the CBI status report was discussed before it is presented to the Supreme Court. But Srinivasan Jain with me now has exclusive details of what actually happened at that meeting. And Srinivasan, it's worrying actually the details you've got. Go ahead. That's right, Sonia. Uh, since the story broke last week, the government has gone into denial mode, issuing a series of statements, mostly off the record, mm -hmm. to distance themselves from what has happened. But we now have exclusive details uh, from two key sources, at least one of whom was actually present in that crucial meeting called by the law minister himself, which pretty much contradicts every position the government has taken. First, the meeting, the main meeting that was called, there could have been several others, was called by the law minister in his office on the 5th of March at about 12.30 in the afternoon in Shastri Bhavan. Present at that meeting, apart from the law minister, the CBI director, 
the joint CBI director, uh, Mr. Girotra, who's in charge of the investigation, uh, the additional solicitor general, Harin Rawal, who's representing the CBI in court, and the attorney general, Gulam Vanvati. Now, the first thing this contradicts, Sonia, is the position taken by Harin Rawal in the Supreme Court mm -hmm. when he was asked by the court as to whether the government has seen the report. He said no but he was himself present at the uh, meeting where this report was discussed. The other crucial detail that we've learned uh, from sources very, very familiar with what took place inside the meeting was that this meeting was not just to discuss this report. Mm -hmm. The report was apparently, according to our sources, being not just discussed, but actually being written on by the law minister. He appeared to be making changes. Now, this once again contradicts the government's position, which has been claiming that they've been having regular consultations uh, with the CBI as a matter of procedure, but they've been not doing any tampering or changing with the report. Both these points clearly undermine the government's position. It seems that the government was anxious to try and dilute this report. As you know, the CBI has already taken a fairly strong stand, uh, saying that these coal allocations were done out of turn, mm -hmm. no proper diligence was followed. So even with those Supposed dilutions, it's fairly strong. But how much further was the CBI prepared to go and how much is uh, actually being diluted is now something we'll have to wait and see. And uh, the, uh, Vasu, we also got Suneta with us for the CBI response. Suneta, what's interesting is that we've actually, NDTV's contacted the law minister, has faxed and emailed his office, have called and SMS and repeatedly. There's been no response, no denial to the story at all so far. And you've done the same with the CBI as well. And again, there's been no actual denial of the story. And what's interesting is that... Uh, uh, the CBI is also not taking private representation. What more do you have on that? Well, what's interesting when you're talking about denial, Sonia, is that while the CBI was very quick to uh, deny one aspect of the story, which is the transfer of the DIG Ravi Kant, they uh, were very quick to send out an email immediately and say, no, that was because of routine reasons. This remained completely silent, which is telling, obviously, of whether uh, Ashwini Sharma, uh, the law minister, has diluted the report or not. And that uh, a lot of CBI insiders are telling us is the insider. And what's also interesting is the clarification that has come today. The CBI is saying in its thing that they will submit the report, their affidavit to the court and they say they're not under any pressure to do so. So our insiders, whether that means that when we ask them whether it denies, that is an indication of some kind of denial about the entire thing of Law Minister Shpani Sharma, they said no. Uh, what they mean to say is that when they present the affidavit, it will be what they really stand. It will expose everything. It will expose the Law Minister's uh, alleged intervention in it and vetting of it. What's also interesting is, of course, this new development of the CBI hiring its own private lawyer in this case, separate from the government lawyer, which is Yu Lalit. Our source is telling us this happens sometimes in CBI, and when it does happen, when it has happened in the past, it has usually been when they completely differ with it. And the last example, recent example, was in the Mayabati case, the Taj Corridor case, when the government said that it should be closed because the governor didn't give sanction. CBI's case was completely different and they said it should be pursued. So will we see another kind of face-off like that on the 26th? The CBI perhaps is giving those indications with the clarification with by hiring a separate lawyer that it's definitely Shinawas going to have a standoff. Srinivasan, you want to comment on that before we go across to our panel. Go ahead. Yes, uh, very quickly, Sonia. I think it's hugely significant if, as Sunetra says, the CBI is now building up to blow the lid on exactly what happened in those series of meetings mm -hmm. with the law minister, will they actually go ahead and say that changes and modifications were made? But even at the very basic level of the law minister meeting, 
the CBI director in an ongoing investigation is highly, highly improper. The government is trying to take the line that the law minister is the lawyer for the government. So uh -huh. it can meet investigating agencies. It is uh, de facto the CBI's lawyer. And therefore, there have been past precedents where this has happened. But once again, here's the CBI investigating the executive on a matter as sensitive as Colgate where uh, even the Prime Minister's office is said to be involved. And here you have the law minister calling the CBI director to discuss that report. It will be an extremely improbable defense if they take that line that this is uh, simply a matter of procedure. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And uh, we believe they're already trying to take that line. And it's clearly a political uh, bombshell after it first broke in the Indian Express. But these details coming out for the first time. Let's go across to my special panel now. Srinivasan and Sunita, do stay with us. I'm joined by Harish Salve, former Solicitor General of India. So he has a uh, great perspective on how this is actually meant to work. Also with me, uh, Abid Rasul Khan of the Congress, the only one brave enough to defend the Congress tonight. Again, that point is interesting. The political isolation in a sense of Ashini Kumar, no spokesperson of the Congress. Rashid Alvi agreed to a one-on-one -on -one a short while ago, but otherwise no one from the Congress willing to come on record to defend uh, or to deny this story. Also with me tonight, Nirmala Sitaraman of the BJP and uh, Mahesh Etmalani, Senior Advocate of the Supreme Court. With me, Mr. Harish Salve, across to you first. You've seen both uh, what the government and the CBI have been saying, the so-called government defense of it, and Srinivasan's point of, again, from top source of what actually happened in that meeting. Is there any defense for this? See, uh, let's be very clear about uh, one thing. Mm -hmm. The story that the uh, law ministry is the lawyer for the CBI is the rubbish. The CBI needs administrative sanction for paying the salaries, uh, for paying the fees of uh, private public prosecutors or public prosecutors when they hire them. That's an administrative sanction. We are now talking of two completely different things. Mm -hmm. First of all, yes, law officers are normally engaged by the CBI to, to appear for the CBI because the state prosecutes. But where there is a state itself is in, in a situation like this, the CBI does go to outside lawyers. Now here let us remember one thing, this is not a normal criminal investigation. The Supreme Court has asked the CBI to give it a report about what actually went on because the Supreme Court was a little concerned that the government may not come out to the whole truth. It doesn't require to <clears throat> any great uh, argument to show that the CBI should have been completely on its own in conducting this investigation. Secondly, what was asked for was a factual investigation. There was no great question of law which was being uh, sort of debated by the CBI. It is another matter that when you are framing charges, you take the factual material to a senior law officer to wet your charge sheet from the legal aspects, not to tell you what to put in the charge sheet or what not no, to put in uh, the Mr. charge uh, sheet, Mr. Salve, but here's to see whether your charges are properly framed. No, but here's this is a factual inquiry. No, but the shocker really, I want to ask you that the additional solicitor general told the Supreme Court on record that the government had not seen this report. That's the shocker because uh, after, the, as I said, the story first broke in the Indian Express, details that Srinivasan has just got, that seems a clear misrepresentation of facts. And he was See, present I, at that meeting. What, what happened in that meeting, whether he saw it, whether he didn't see it, are all matters which I don't want to get into. Srinivas, if he says he has material, well, I'm, I'm sure he, he is a very responsible and a senior journalist, so he won't make a loose statement. If there has been any misrepresentation, that only compounds the matter. But what worries me more, Sonia, is if we can't trust the CBI, what do we do now? Mr. Prashant Bhushan now will say, have a special investigation team. Mm -hmm. And then the government will say, it's Supreme Court's overreach. 
But the trouble is, why did the CBI director agree to meet the law minister? He should have told the law minister, I'm sorry sir, I can't discuss this matter with you. I have been asked by the Supreme Court to look into something, I mm -hmm. can't discuss this with you. When I was the Solicitor General of India, we used to, I used to appear as an amicus in the, in the forest case. I used to appear as an amicus in the MC Mehta clean air case. Mm -hmm. There was no question of discussing it with the government. If we I used to take independent positions. So, Sa please, I mean, this is wrong of the CBI. So, it's wrong. We now blame the government. Why did so you go? So, it's wrong from step one. Wrong that they even went for the meeting, even if the CBI director of now course. goes ahead and makes the point, uh, stands by his position that there were changes in the report in the Supreme Court. He shouldn't have gone for the meeting in the first place. Is your point, Abid Rasul Khan? Absolutely. This only plays into the opposition charge, and not an opposition charge only, but uh, the charge really made by Pashant Pushin, etc., oh. as well. That My the CBI is functioning as a Congress Bureau of Investigation. How can the Congress justify the fact that the law minister met with the CBI director to discuss such a sensitive case? Sonia, first of all, I would not like to discuss anything which pertains to law because you have very two eminent uh, jurists on your panel. And uh, I would definitely point to put up my basic logic and sense in this particular debate. The point is there is everything being talked on assumptions and hearsay. There is nothing concrete available either with your channel or with anybody else. Now, the Supreme Court is supervising the whole issue and Supreme Court is looking into it. It is also seized of the matter where it has asked for an affidavit to be filed by the CBI director. Uh -huh. When the matter is of such seriousness and the affidavit is expected to be filed or bound to be filed on 26th, we should wait for the affidavit and I am sure the CBI director will definitely tell whether he had a meeting with the minister, whether the minister talked to the matter. Go ahead. Yeah, let me, let so me can complete, I, can let I just, complete Can I just interrupt? I just want to clarify the point that you made, sir, that this is all speculation and hearsay. Can I, can I yeah. please, sir, contradict that? This is not speculation and hearsay. This information has been now in the public domain for a week. There has not been a single denial no, from Sinimash. any no, government I, I, agency, not from the law minister, not no. from the CBI. If you read the CBI statement, sir, they do I not deny that such a meeting took place. All no. they say is that there is no pressure on them and that they will go ahead no, and follow I, the instructions of the court. That in itself no. speaks volumes about what actually happened. Mr. Srinivas, I have greater respect for your uh, investigative journalism and the way you are putting it. But the point here is that uh, we haven't confirmed that doesn't mean we have accepted. The law minister hasn't uh, taken your call. That doesn't mean that he is at fault. There could be other reasons. Now, just Sir, assuming and saying that I could also assume, I could also assume that the whole episode is being blown up just to cover up some other issue which was rocking the media yesterday about some other political party and the division in it and all that. I could also assume that the NGOs have filed these petitions to support no, that particular Mr. party. Let me give me a minute. Yes, and now, now, now. No, I've, I've, heard your, I've heard your defense of it. You are saying that basically there is no concrete proof of this. Nirmala Sitaraman coming on that point. Media speculation, he is making the point that this has come up to divert from other issues. Again, our source is not from the opposition and not from an NGO. Go ahead, Nirmala Sitaraman. No, first of all, this is not the first time the court, particularly the Supreme Court, has not really relied just on what the law officers of the government have said. Haven't we had an instance for the first time in this country of the Supreme Court asking the Prime Minister's office to give a written statement on one earlier big scam? It, this one is going very much in the same line. I think it was the 2G when the Prime Minister's office was asked to give a written statement 
about a particular uh, position that they are taking in the court. And similarly now, the, the, the court, rightly you've got all the information out and it is part of what had happened in the court. And therefore, there, there is no need for speculation. No, but the court I just want to ask for a the politics of it. Because in a sense, yeah. of what the point I made is interesting how Ashwini Kumar is being isolated. Now, of course, he's seen as somebody who's close to the Prime Minister. He's been isolated. You're not seeing voices come out vociferously to defend him at all, defend the government, give any explanation. Do you think the political uh, positioning of this is also important? No, absolutely. In the sense that when we are in the opposition, we're very clearly saying, Prime Minister was the minister for coal, and it is during his tenure as minister this scandal has come up and that is where from the beginning we've been talking about how the involvement of the PMO is directly in this and also the fact mm -hmm. that uh, today the statements which have come from the government are not denying you're right in saying that and also trying to say that we are not vetting the reports whereas what the CBI for once uh, mustering up a whole lot of courage saying yes we did go there yes there was some involvement and some kind of a misleading statement to add or camouflage this whole thing to say oh it is routine scheduled meeting I'm sorry this is a clear-cut case of government interfering in a particular instance where the Prime Minister's office itself has got a lot of things to answer they've remained silent we certainly are not going to to sit back and watch this. We have already said we need an SIT. Uh, Harish Salve did mention about it earlier, saying that somebody could There's ask for it. Huh. But we have already asked that we do not trust the CBI. And it's such a shame for the principal opposition party for having to say this because it's a premier investigative agency. No, but and we need them to be standing on their professional, you know, credibility. Of they course. cannot undermine the authority no, of the premier investigative on this, the larger issues of who controls the CBI, Harish Salve made this point earlier that you know it's more about administrative and paying salaries, but really that whole argument which has been made about making this completely autonomous, in a sense perhaps like the election commission or give it the autonomy it's needed. Yet we find that no political party ever really agrees with that entire autonomy. There will be changes in, uh, that including the leader of opposition and appointment of a CBI director, but full autonomy is not granted. In fact, even the CBI says we don't want it. Well, you know, I mean, uh, Sonia, this completely uh, uh, highlights the, the need to bring the CBI under an independent uh, body like the Lokpal. I mean, we've been screaming about it, and uh, today you have a prime example as to why there's a, such a dire necessity for this institution to be independent. Uh, I, what, is, what, what is shocking right now, and this requires further investigation, is that, as Harish pointed out, the government is in a clear position of conflict of interest with the CBI because it is the acts of the government it's the allocation policy in particular and, and whether it has been uh, corruptly uh, allocated, the coal has been corrupt, coal blocks have been corruptly allocated or not, that is an issue and that's what's being investigated. What the CBI is investigating under the court monitored investigation is who are the persons responsible for faulty allocation and, and criminal allocation, if any. You have now a situation where the government, represented by Mr. Ashwini Kumar, is now tailoring an affidavit to be filed before the Supreme Court. In other words, the accused is getting the CBI, is trying to get the CBI to uh, tailor the evidence and to say what the government's defense is and to water down the case, if any, against the government. It, in my view, this is a clear case of obstruction of justice and there, uh, there, 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 it is almost now uh, beyond debate that the law minister should resign. Not only should the law minister resign, but we should be, uh, the law minister should be asked, telling us whether he acted independently in this meeting of the 5th or in calling the meeting of the 5th of March or whether he was instructed to do so by others. It is also putting both 
the administrator solicitor general and the attorney general in an extremely embarrassing position yes. uh, as you uh, and and mr rawal particularly i am afraid to say comes out extremely badly from this entire episode he says one thing to the court prima facie let, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and that's completely falsified by what actually transpired on the 5th of, of march if you are to go by sinifas and jens uh, uncovering uh, uh, of the matter she also forgot i just want yes. to make the point that again a reporter's contacted mr rawal also for his version again he did not deny this meeting he didn't confirm it he didn't say anything but he did not deny this meeting go ahead shinivasan just wanted to come in quickly sonia on the point that this is a case which has thrown up implications beyond this one particular coal controversy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because what the government has been saying is that there have been regular consultations with the cbi on this particular issue and this is a matter of course mm -hmm. this is greatly worrying because it suggests that not just in this particular in, in not just in colgate but this now seems to be almost a precedent that cbi officials are expected to consult with members of the government whether it is the law minister or whether it is officials in the pmo to discuss their cases and they're trying to pass this off as a matter of protocol so if this has and happened not just in one case but other cases but then its implications are even more serious but to also define this whole relationship or describe this whole relationship as a client client and lawyer relationship i find that absolutely outrageous when when the, the cbi's autonomy has to be reinforced at every stage you're talking about a client and a uh, you know उटेड The point here is Supreme Court has already seized on the matter. Supreme Court is also already seized on the second part of the matter where we are talking of an affidavit and interference of the government. When the matter is subjudice, even the law minister thought that why should he get interfered? No, the point of the meeting is not subjudice. The point of the meeting is not subjudice. No, definitely, definitely. Whatever, whatever, whether, 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 Sonia, whether the meeting was there, what transpired will definitely come out in the affidavit of the CBI. I am sure if it was there. Now, now the point. Let me let me complete it. I have been listening very patiently. Now, point is BJP has made it. habit where it wants a approved uh, by cbi then after that it goes for a jpc after that it goes for a supreme court uh, supervised pro after that goes for an sit i assume and i have greater suspicion that they do this with the hope that somewhere something will come out against the government let where they can it down let me very quickly add so yeah, yeah, secondly secondly, secondly let me let me complete let me complete no, no, listen to after this after that Sonia, Mr. Mala, no, Jena, yeah, you have to give me a chance sir? to complete no 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 i am i am telling you you are part of part of it where you have been now you are also very vocal about it so you, you can't just tell me that you are not vocal or you are no, not for no. it you are being doing it is not bjp yeah, that, is, that, that is different no that is a different aspect i am no, not no. talking about he is only investigating i am i'm telling you about your party's attitude of all probes your party have a fascination for probes your party bjp i think yes, the point is that the story has not come out by the bjp they've been उटरी 
office had to give a written statement the law officer's statements were not accepted uh, by the court here is another instance third on the cold scam the minister concerned under whom the allocation happened which was the prime minister who was the prime minister has remained silent on this and we are very worried that on most particular occasion because he spoken on the coal issue in parliament that's right but then on the fact that all of them are suspect and now of course with this kind of a you know interrogation going the coal allocation is a massive scandal on which the government has to come out clean so what we are trying to suggest here is that we need an sit probe we certainly on this particular inter interference we certainly want an enquiry as to how this happened no, but, no, and no, what no, kind of you know the same question asked mr dekman the fact is that whichever government is in power and this has happened in the past earlier the point you also made on large implications will not give, uh, give up control of either cbi or doordarshan these are two weapons in which are kept like this for any government which is in no, power i am glad you asked that question in the context of the lokpal debate it is the bjp which is repeatedly saying and we stand by that suggestion that we've given whenever that is going to come again in the raj sabha we will talk about it and subsequently that will have to go back to the lok sabha that we want certain uh, aspects of the cbi made independent very clearly the investigation Why the cbi made independent absolutely let the parliament do it is a debate we've already given we we have given several suggestions on how to make the cbi independent particularly making sure that the prosecution and the investigation wings are separated and that the directors appointments are made independent and so on so we are not averse to the idea of making the cbi independent so let's be clear we are not saying it now even 2014 when we come back we'll ensure that we'll do that also tony i just want to make a quick intervention here in the context of what mr khan is saying that mm -hmm. he's saying now wait for the affidavit and the affidavit will answer all these questions but how can we trust that the affidavit will again not be tampered with if here there is already evidence that the cbi director is at the beck and call of the law minister which doesn't put him in a good light either as hari sadhe pointed out though he stood though up, he stood up in a sense though the cbi the might now try to take a independent view in the affidavit but again how can we trust that how do we not know that yeah. even as we speak the government may be pressuring the cbi to dilute that the affidavit and give it a way out 
That's one of the reasons can, why Arun Jaitley had suggested just one line here. Arun Jaitley had suggested that the original version be taken out of the computer and the government submit that too along with it. If they really have not interfered, what is there to worry? Let the original version and the current version be submitted. Your final thoughts on this, the point you made earlier also of the Attorney General, the Additional Solicitor General, we've seen also uh, under the nominees of the tenure strategy, we've seen senior most law officers of this government unhappy recently. What do you think really is the way forward and how do we define this fine line that there must be between, in a sense, uh, a government agency, a government investigation agency, law officers working for the government and, of course, the duty, uh, the larger duty to the Constitution? Will there always be an element of government control? Yes, you're absolutely right, Sonia. I mean, uh, it's not just the CBI. Uh, the need to make the CBI an independent agency, that's only one aspect. But also the law officers themselves now, you know, should be examining their genuine role be contemplated under the Constitution. They are upholders of the law. They are not upholders of the interests of the government of the day. And I, I, I think in this, this is a time for uh, Mr. Mahanvati and Mr. Rawal, etc. to all come out and tell us what happened on that fateful day of the 5th of March. Because uh, uh, with this kind of exposure, this is one of the most exp important exposures that has taken place. We are all, we've all been clamoring. Nirmala pointed out that the BJP and the entire opposition has been insisting on the CBI being made an independent agency coming under the aegis of the Lokpal. And, th and th this, this kind of an exposure is going to add momentum. In fact, according to me, this could be a clincher and we could finally get momentum and action in that direction of seeing a truly independent uh, uh, CBI uh, investigating agency. Equally, we, uh, you know, we might now throw up a whole new debate about the role of government's law officers and, and whether they should put the interests of law above the interests of the government that they serve. Right. Uh, key points, a story that will develop and unfold over the next few days. Uh, Srinivasan, thanks very much uh, for that exposure of what actually happened at the meeting. Again, I said interesting, the silence on all fronts on what actually happened and even any denials of what has been reported. Thank you all very much for joining me tonight. We just move to the other big story. Tomorrow, the Supreme Court will decide on Sanjita's plea asking for six months' time to surrender, saying he needed time to complete his film commitments. Otherwise, of course, Sanjita is meant to go to jail on Thursday. In a decision which could prove, prove worrying for Sanjitath, however, the Supreme Court today rejected the plea of 17-year-old Zebunisa and others convicted in the same case. Zebunisa had asked on other grounds, she had asked for that her pardon petition is pending before the President, so she be given more time. The Supreme Court refused to accept that, saying that if they did give more time, the President would be deluged with petitions asking for pardon. years old and she's already suffered for 20 years.
does it give an indication of what the Supreme Court's thinking is on this? Who knows? The verdict will be out at 10.30 tomorrow. And uh, depending on what happens, Sanjitat will either walk back into jail on, thurs on Thursday or get six months more time. Joining me for more on this, Mahesh Malani is still with us, Senior Advocate of the Supreme Court. I'm also joined by Majid Memon, who, of course, uh, is closer to Sanjitat's family and has been helping them in this case as well. I'm also joined today by Zedunisa's lawyer. That's, of course, uh, Mr. Sushil Kumar joining me tonight. Thanks very much, all of you, for joining us. Mr. Kumar, first, we've seen the grounds on which the Supreme Court rejected Zebunisa's and others' plea. Do you think this will have an impact on Sanjidat's case? We've seen that earlier Zebunisa's family had argued that whatever treatment is given to Sanjidat must be given to Zebunisa as well. There can't be special rules for him because he's a celebrity. Now Sanjidat hasn't asked for pardon. And today the Supreme Court rejected Zebunisa's plea on the grounds that uh, pardon cannot be used as the reason to delay her going to jail. The basic difference between the two is... Mr. Sanjay that is asking for extension of time alone. Mm -hmm. It's not getting into any review or anything else. Mm -hmm. Zabunis had applied for review of the judgment with which the court did not agree. So there was no prayer that you give us so much time to surrender. Mm -hmm. So these are two different things altogether. So not likely to have an impact at all you would feel? Because that is an independent prayer. So that's good news for Sanjitath in a sense that it's isolated, that it doesn't uh, link to that case. But uh, Majid Memon, if you can come in here, often of course, and we saw the huge outcry which came when uh, there was Justice Kachu said that Sanjitath uh, should be pardoned. An outcry which perhaps would not have emerged if Justice Kachu had said Zebunissa should be pardoned. He did say that a few days later, but not initially. Do you agree with the view that Sanjitath and his family have expressed that often the focus he gets is because he's a celebrity and his case often judged harshly, they say, because of that? No, so, Sonia, see, first we will have to uh, forget for a little while that Sanjay that is a celebrity. He is one of the convicted persons. There are so many people who have been convicted. But Sanjay's case is on a different pedestal for purely for this reason that he has not been found guilty for any of the provision, under any of the provisions of TADA. A, the court has expressly spelt out that he is not a terrorist. He is not involved in the serial blast of 12th March 1993, which certainly makes his case a bit softer. This is the first argument. Now, secondly, if you compare the case of Sanjay with uh, uh, Zaymun Nisakazi, you would find that, well, there has been hue and cry that why Zaymun Nisakazi could not have been found not guilty of Tada because practically, factually, the role is rather lesser than that of Sanjay. But we can't argue that now because the legal finding has been uh, brought to finality by the highest court of the land. Mm -hmm. some, some people are arguing even now, but I think that is not justified. You can't argue that now. Now the question is, Zaybun Nisa has been found guilty for under certain provisions of Tada. That's, that's the distinction as far as merits of the accusations and the findings See, of the... So it doesn't matter that one is 70... It doesn't matter that one is 70... Another angle is that she's an elderly woman, she's a sick woman. That is therefore, that is a consideration. Right, so you're saying like we can't go back because that was the argument made by many that you know look at Zeb, what Zebunissa did is actually less than what Sanjidat did. You're saying the Supreme Court has ruled on that, we shouldn't revisit that. But Mahesh, uh, Jaitmanani, come in on this larger aspect of celebrity and a certain sympathy for immunity. We've seen, of course, Justice Kachu still met the Prime Minister today as well with his pleas for pardon for Sanjidat Zebunissa. He's also asked for, plea, uh, for pardon uh, for Bhullar. In that sense, the larger message that goes out, the debate actually over judgments of any kind, 
which seems to undermine the process as so almost as soon as the verdict is delivered the process begins to say how can we get out of it should we look at pardon should we look at something else what is the media sympathy factor that can be created well you know i mean resource resourceful convicts and ingenious lawyers are always going to try and find uh, ways uh, to to save themselves and their clients so that's only to be expected that's that's a, a given about our legal system uh, i don't i i might tend to agree with uh, majid memon that we shouldn't look at uh, sanjay dutt as a celebrity although a lot of the uh, publicity generated about uh, the pardon application which he did not make mm -hmm. which only justice kadju made is because uh, he 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 is sanjay dutt so but, you know that's again another given in our system that celebrities are going to attract more attention but whether sanjay will get the plea uh, the uh, his plea will be granted by the supreme court tomorrow or not oh. uh, would be to second guess the supreme court and i think we should all refrain it it's pending it will be decided tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, the fact that zebur nisa uh, has not uh, got an extension for time to surrender uh, will undoubtedly be a factor Uh, which will weigh against Sanjay. There may be other factors that will weigh in his favor, but I think it's best left to the Supreme Court, before whom the matter is pending, and we'd be violating subjudice rules if he said anything more. So, Shil Kumar, uh, if you want to come in, because earlier we had spoken to Zebunisa's daughter, who may, who she, of course, and she's emotional at this point. So, she, uh, in her sense, it links to the case, but her. the question she says about the findings i think that's what many people have pointed out or have almost put the two cases together is because majid memon says look when she is convicted under tada sanjay that's not others have made the point that's not a logical argument because look at what they both actually did as so as zebun says law what's your perspective on that see the supreme court rejected our case of innocence has accepted the evidence after that they have dismissed the review petition to me as a lawyer that's the end of the road I'll be very frank with you. Uh -huh. Mercy is something with the executive, with the president. I have nothing to say on that. But that is not on merits. That is for some other consideration. Merit may be a small part of it. Uh -huh. But so far as the merits of the case are concerned, they seems to be closed by the Supreme Court by dismissal of the review petition. So the legal, uh, the legal road in that sense is really over. Uh, Majid, I mean, as I said, uh, as I think I agree with Mr. Malani. Let's not get into what the Supreme Court will actually do tomorrow. But in that sense, because Sanjay Dutt has asked. For a reprieve, possibly of six months. In that sense, are he his family now mentally prepared with him going back to jail? It could be as soon as day after tomorrow. You are asking me, Sonia? Yes, uh, yes, Mr. Mehman. Uh, now, see, Sonia. One thing I must convey through you now to the viewers all over the country, because everybody seems to be very, very much interested in Sanjay Dutt. as uh, mahesh rightly said he is a you know celebrity and a well known person we are also debating uh, with the focus on sanjay dutt and everybody else is just side players now let me tell you one thing sanjay dutt is supposed to have committed a crime in january 1993 let us not lose the uh, sight of this fact now we are in 2013 more than 20 years have rolled by now if he for whatever wrong he has committed he starts serving his sentence in april 2013 or say july 2013 or august 2013 it's not going to matter much we see what i feel of course we are not challenging the wisdom and judicial sense of the supreme court which is going to decide tomorrow uh -huh. nor are we meaning to suggest anything whereby there could be any influence even remotely what we are suggest discussing is this that in a in a common man's view well 
he has to serve the sentence he had he could have he should have served sentence in 1993 or immediately thereabout if he had committed the offence then okay. it is thanks to our system that 20 years have just evaporated they have run away now he has become uh, 20 years older and nobody can be blamed for that that's our system but if he starts serving a sentence say 3 months here after i don't think anybody is prejudiced thereby but then this is all subject to satisfaction of supreme court because yes. one fear looms large that is that no special treatment can be extended to sanjay dev because he happens to be film star <coughs> no wrong message should go down he is to be treated on par with the poorest and the most common person who has been convicted in the trial that is very important Majid Mehman, Mahesh Chitmalani, uh, Mr. Sushil Kumar, thanks very much for joining me tonight. As I said, a verdict that will be watched tomorrow much more than it would be in other, any other case because of who Sanjay Dutt is. Let's just move to the other political headlines. And the battle between the Janata Dal United and the BJP got worse today. Chief Minister of Bihar, Nitish Kumar, responded sharply to the BJP's escalation, saying that he was the railway minister in charge when the Godra minister took uh, Godra carnage took place. He said it was the duty of the state chief minister Narendra Modi to ensure law and order. prevailed and not the uh, during the aftermath and the gujarat riots 2002 mein bhi nitish ji hamari sarkar mein shamil the aur sabarmati express ke dauran wo rail mantri bhi the ki rail mantralay ka kaam safety ka hai agar derailment ho gaya takkar ho gaya कोई रेल की दुर्घटना हुई वो होता है लेकिन अगर कोई पब्लिक ऑर्डर की समस्या है लॉ एंड ऑर्डर की समस्या होगी तो वो जिम्मेवारी राज्यों की रहती है ये जिम्मेवारी रेल मंत्रालय की नहीं होती The other big story this evening, and that's of course the massive earthquake on the Iran-Pakistan border. Tremors are felt as far as Delhi and then Gujarat, and in NDTV studio as well, the earth shook. These are pictures taken during. that uh, earthquake during the tremors felt in delhi of ndtv's uh, studio and of course i alert camera people didn't stop and run out of the building they panned straight up and those of course are the studio lights and the damage felt after those uh, tremors in fact perhaps our camera people should have rushed out but those are the pictures they got to but let's go across vishnu shoma has the latest on the earthquake and the devastation it's caused 4:19 p.m. Indian Standard Time. Magnitude 7.8 earthquake struck in the region between Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. Right over here, hundreds of people, we are told, may have lost their lives. What are some of the populated areas close by? Firstly, Zahedan population, 5.6 lakh people. It struck to the south of Zahedan. The epicenter was uh, uh, was also uh, over here and Kash, the other populated area, 70,000 people. important point that needs to be mentioned iran has a history of earthquakes in fact since 2002 there have been 12 earthquakes of magnitude 5.9 and above remember in 2003 in bam 30000 people lost their lives zaran 602 people lost their lives in 2005 and just a week back in bushehar in a nuclear site bushehar is a nuclear facility of iran 30 people lost their lives now the impact of this earthquake was felt all across this region in north india a lot of people came out of their buildings a lot of people were worried they didn't really know what the impact would mean for them sofa pe baitha hua tha aise laga ki sofa kafi tezi se hila aur ek jhatke se tab tak hum log bahar bhaga gaye mujhe bhukam mehsoos hua hai bahut tezi jhatka tha aur main niche dauda chala aaya kahin kuch aisa ho na jaye koi main office mein baitha hua tha badi tezi se table aur jaise floor hilne ka mujhe feel hua but the bigger story 
How many people in Iran have lost their lives? Only the hours and perhaps the days ahead will tell that true story. We'll keep you up to date on those and other big developing stories. Coming up next, the buck stops here with Sunitra Chaudhary.